श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम ओम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम ओम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम ओम आई बाउ टू लॉर्ड राम एंड यू एंड इन ऑल I remember a very interesting evening many years ago. I had to go into an area that was very worldly. I could feel the consciousness of people trying to draw me as though they were drawing everybody into this worldly state of mind. And I was singing this song, sort of under my breath, but singing it. And I felt as if I was enveloped in this aura of light. Nothing could touch me. I felt nothing but joy. and i felt that i was just sharing this joy with anybody who could pick up on it i felt more joy for being in that environment not because of the environment but because it forced me the environment forced me to put out more energy into singing that chant but to sing to god is one of the best things that we can do it gives us the presence of god it gives us an understanding of who we are i would like to read to you today from this book conversations with yogananda it's number 263 for 500 million years the master said creation rests in the night of brahma then for another 500 million years it is manifested again as the day of brahma sir i interposed Science has found that the earth is already well over 2 billion years old. Well, he replied, it's quite possible that the, that the scriptures in writing years were referring to a much longer time period. In the book of Genesis 2, God is described as taking only 7 days for the creation. I have found that where scripture and spiritual teachings are concerned, It is wise not to be too exacting in one's analysis of them unless the teachings themselves ask one to do, to be so. My guru's guru for example gave the date 1700 AD as the beginning of Dwapara Yuga. This is certainly contrary to the usual Indian understanding that we're still in Kali Yuga, a pretty bleak prospect when you consider that it's another um what is it 300,000 years that kali yuga will just keep getting worse and worse and worse god when you think how bad it is right now you just wonder how bad can it get but anyway this date 1700 as the beginning of dwapara yuga is an exact date not a symbolic one the days and nights of brahma however and the days referred to in genesis are symbolic how can one know the difference Basically it may be said that the spiritual truths as opposed to literal facts are directional. Intuition is not achieved by analysis. It flows with the river of time. It is not a frozen sheet of ice. Vast time periods cannot be measured specifically even in science. Swami Sri Yukteswar though he showed the though he showed the yugas to be directional placed them also in specific time periods. In many spiritual teachings however the direction is one of consciousness not of historic fact 
Ateya Brahma itself is the projection of an idea. It cannot be cut and spliced like a movie film, nor measured out exactly for correlation with other discoveries. It simply is a thing in itself, appearing out of timelessness rather than being a function of time. Indeed, it is itself the creator of time. The Master sometimes said to us, therefore, there are many teachings which it is wiser to accept on faith. You can't know everything, so how can you expect to be able to judge everything? Judgment can only be formed on a basis of actual knowledge. Don't depend too much on reason, for that is where Satan catches you. Intelligence is a tricky guide. To seek the guidance of devotion is much surer and more trustworthy. Now this is a very important teaching because there are things in Scripture which seem contradictory to facts as we know them, but most of them it's because they are directional. This is one of the great debates in modern philosophical studies of ethics, for example. They don't understand, and it's, it's a book that I've written actually, it's called Crises in Modern Thought, well the new version is called Out of the Labyrinth, I changed the name. But I pointed out in this book something that I learned in, in India, that values are directional. You can't say that it's absolutely this or absolutely that because it depends on who you are, what your background is, but the directional, the direction is universal. This is the important point. It isn't as if by being directional is, there's no substance to any value. It's that you can be more good or less good. You can be more kind or less kind. You can be more truthful or less truthful. But it's always it's a universal thing. There's always a direction. As somebody said to my guru, is there any end to evolution? He gave a very interesting answer. He said, there is no end. You go on until you achieve endlessness. This is a way of thinking that modern education doesn't prepare you for. It's hard to think in terms of directions. It's hard to think. We like to think in terms of fixed values, fixed definitions. This is the educational system that has been imposed on India from the West. But uh, in fact, truth is always a direction towards something that finally can have no definition. You cannot define such an It's Yes, it's eternal existence, consciousness, bliss, everything. But how do you define these things? This was one of the problems that Descartes had with consciousness. He tried to think, well, how do I know that I exist? Finally, he came up, because he was a Western scientist and had been trained in that system, finally he said, I think, therefore I am. Well, that's not a proof at all. You think, you're thinking, is uh, a relative thing. You can't say that, that uh, it proves your existence. It's your knowledge, your consciousness, that makes it possible for you to think. A computer can think, but it doesn't know that it exists. Your knowledge of your existence is an intuitive thing. You just know that you exist. And so to try to reason it out logically is not possible. There are certain things that are simply a part of our baggage that came with our coming into being. We never came into being. In fact, God didn't create you. 
He manifested you. There whole, there's a whole slew of truths that we've got to understand in new ways if we are to know who and what we are, what life is all about, what consciousness is all about. This is the great defect of modern science, that they think that thought, and consciousness rather, is produced by the mechanism of the brain. No. It took consciousness to produce a brain. It takes consciousness to think. Consciousness is something that, well, you've probably read books or heard about them, of, pre, of uh, um, near-death experiences, where people on the operating table have actually gone through um, the feeling of uh, leaving their bodies, and they've even, there's a lot of debate on it, but I don't see how you can doubt these things. They've seen things in other rooms that they couldn't have known lying on that operating table, and they were right. They've, uh, there was uh, one lady I re read about her. She uh, had a near-death experience, and later she met her brother, and he was out in the lobby waiting for news about this operation, and he couldn't believe that she had left her body consciously and was aware of what was outside her body. She said, yes, I, I, I know what you were saying. You were saying that it looks like the old girl's just about ready to kick the bucket. bucket." And he was very embarrassed that she had heard him say those words that didn't sound respectful. He didn't mean them disrespectfully, but after all, it was her brother. You know how brothers can be, and sisters too. <laughs> so the... The uh, near-death experience has shown, I think, fairly conclusively that consciousness doesn't depend on the working of this little brain. It can be far away. My guru, my goodness, he could tell me what I was thinking at a great distance. He could tell me what I said, and he was never wrong. It could be sometimes embarrassing for me when he told me things that I'd said that I shouldn't have said. Not really, though I wasn't embarrassed because I was pleased to be corrected. But I remember one time somebody at the Hollywood church, he was one of those people who flatter you, and I didn't like that. And uh, he, when I mentioned that I was going to be giving a class the next Wednesday, he said, well, I'll be sure to be there. Well, I knew he'd have been there anyway, so I very ungraciously said, well, if you're going to come, then please check people's pockets to be sure they're not bringing vegetables to throw at me. It wasn't a very proper thing to say. And when I saw my guru next, he said, oh, by the way, um, when you're talking to people, don't talk about throwing vegetables. It's not dignified. <laughs> well, but how could he know? Because he's not bound by that body. His, one time he said to somebody, you have a sour taste in your mouth, haven't you? That person said, how did you know? He said, because I'm as much in your body as I am in this one. This this knowledge is something that is not bound by uh, our brain and our ability to function. And truth itself is without any kind of boundaries, without any kind of fixity. It's a directional thing. You go on until you achieve endlessness. Now, in the days of Brahma, in the teachings of Scripture, you'll find that Always, the masters, you see, the people who come after them, and this has been especially true in the West, because Jesus really was an Oriental. He was an Easterner. He thought like an Easterner. When you read his writings with the uh, 
From the point of view of the writings of India, you see a completely different picture of his teachings. But when his teachings entered the Greco-Roman world, then people thought that they had to reduce them to fix things. They'd been brought up with the philosophy of Aristotle. And so they were trying to say that, that uh, he means exactly this. And there, had been, there have been debates on dogma um, in the West far, far more so than here in India, although they have occurred here also. People in general tend to try to fix what their gurus said and say they meant this. But in fact, they only meant this for this particular moment this particular circumstance. Truth must be understood then like a wave. You know when a, when a wave moves, it, doesn't, it isn't the wave that's moving. The, any particular piece of water, atom, molecule of water, doesn't change its position. It may go up and down. The wave is something different. Sound waves, light waves, all waves are not, they're not displacing anything. They're not moving anything. It's just, it's another, we have to think differently. The wonderful thing about science is, modern science, it's teaching us to think differently. But everything that science is doing, it's corroborating what was taught in the ancient scriptures of India. I don't know any scripture, quite honestly, that matches India in its breadth, in its subtlety, and above all, there's no other scripture, or I should say no other religion, because many great masters taught these things. Jesus did. Buddha did. But no other religion that I know of teaches moksha. Only Hinduism. That your job is to get out of the ego and to realize that you are Brahman, that you are one with everything. This is an extraordinary concept. When you understand that, then don't try to reduce religion to fixed principles. Don't try to be dogmatic in your understanding, because it will never give you the truth. Understand that truth itself is a flowing thing. You have to flow with it and move up and down with it, and you have to understand what relativity is really all about. Basically, you have to understand that it is always directional. Now, the time of this day of Brahma, it's very long. Whether science is right, whether they've got a hold of the whole wrong thing, whether it was Manu, was it, who said 500 million years? Maybe. But the fact is that you've come into this world and there's only one point that needs to concern you and me. How do we get out of this mess? How do we get out of this delusion? You know, we've been wandering a long time. And the truth is that you may have come into this world of manifestation with the beginning of the day of Brahma. My guru taught, and Omar Khayyam, the great Sufi mystic, also taught that many who come into manifestation at the beginning of a day of Brahma, who are re-manifested at that time, are still wandering in delusion at the end of a day of Brahma. Who cares how long it is? The thing is, what do you do about it? How do you get out of it? This is what we need to understand. Don't try to understand the scriptures too much with your intellect. I've learned that uh, the intellect can be a help, yes, but it can also be a very treacherous help, very treacherous weapon. I've listened to the devotees of different 
masters, different saints. And I've seen that they themselves get all twisted up as to what those saints are really saying because they're so subtle. They're so, the truth itself is so subtle. Something Ananda Moi Ma said, well, uh, it's not so easy to understand. Speaking of Brahman, she said, it is and it isn't. And neither is it nor is it not. Now, how do you figure that one out? I think that they teach these things to help us to break this thought that we can get it in a little capsule and figure it out for once and forever. Flow with it. The truth is always far more than you think that it can possibly be. God cannot be understood with the intellect. You have to become the wave of the infinite. You have to come flow with that, with that truth. And then you will see that actually the, to understand truth is basically it's fun. Bliss is what it's all about. I remember my guru when he would sometimes talk about some job that needed to be done. And I wasn't involved in that particular job, so I would just sit there and meditate. And I would feel emanating from him such bliss. That was his reality. There was another guru, I think it was Ramakrishna, who was, he died of throat cancer. And a disciple very pityingly said, Master, how are you? And the master went into this harrowing description of what he was going through. And this disciple was feeling more and more joy the whole time, till finally said, Master, don't say more. I know how you really are. And the guru smiled and said nothing. Don't think that you can figure it all out with your mind. Just try to be. Flow with the, flow with the tides of time and inspiration. Life. My dear friends, is a dream joy to you. Life is a dream, time like a stream, carries our burdens away. Never despair, joys everywhere. Friend, you today. Free from all care, like birds on the air, soar above griefs and worries, seek joy and be gay. Often on earth, things of great worth, worldly ambitions defy. Sometimes a friend helps us ascend Up from life's cares to the sky Love is a star, though shining afar It can guide us and help us toward light to draw nigh Life is a dream a stream carries our burdens away. Never despair, joys everywhere. Love can befriend you today. Free from all care, like birds on the air, 
Draw. 